Computer, initialize Holosuite. And welcome to an interesting episode of the Fire Caves, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 7, He Who Is Without Sin. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and X as the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we're great, we're awesome, we're a good time, all those things. And uh, in this case, we're not here, or at least I'm not here. Uh, Not where I normally am anyway when we record these, but I was so adamant about recording that David relented and said that we can go ahead (laughs) and do this episode tonight because it's just so important that we get through this one. I didn't want any delays. So... um, just real quick to continue on the saga of what we've been saying or what I've been saying anyway, I'm I'm in the process of moving. And so tonight was one of those nights where I was doing some things at the new place. Unfortunately, I did not bring all of my equipment with me. Uh, pretty much had everything except for my camera. That's why you do not have the delight of my face tonight. You get to watch the oscillating P that will be on the screen and jump every time I say anything tonight. So um, enjoy that for what it is. Nice little quirk of our show for this one time and one time only, I promise. And then, um, yeah, just enjoy. But before we get into our episode tonight, as always, we'd like to start off with a little bit of catch up with us. So, David, how has your week been? Week's been okay. Uh, work has still been slower than I like, though I did have a nice sale today from a couple that had come in last week, so they came in and made a purchase. Um, I've been reading War and Peace, as uh, people remember from last week, and I'm a little over 400 pages in of a book that's 1,300 pages long, so not even halfway through yet. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. It's good. I'm glad I read the biography of Napoleon first because the battles of like Austerlitz, which is one of the biggest battles that Napoleon won, is like one of the first is the first battle or well, the second battle in the book. Um, so it's it's really important to the plot. And so knowing some of what's happening is in, or happened in real life uh, is is interesting because it informs the fiction of the story. Um, however, it's so sprawling. There's so many characters that there's so much to keep up with. It's not, I, I, I'm not enjoying it. Like I know that I'll enjoy the count of Monte Cristo because the count of Monte Cristo, you have one main character who's on a redemption plot and not a redemption on like a personal level, like moral redemption, but like, you know, gain, it's a revenge tale, etc. War and peace is like a, you know, it's about, you know, war is not as good. You know, young men want to go off to war because they think wars would be great. And they're going to get glory and, and, you know, cover themselves and, and, riches and fame but how that's really not true and so there's nothing in the book that's happened so far where i'm like oh man that's really insightful it's interesting it's not bad um but i when i'm done with it i'll be done with it it's not gonna be a book that's gonna so far at least it's not gonna stick in my mind is like oh man that's like the best book i ever read It's, it's fine it's great but 
Well, anyway, just keep so in mind. That's what I've been doing. We'll just keep in mind that, again, you're not even halfway through with it yet. So <laughs> that, that is true. Be- I mean, beginnings literally. Of, beginnings of books are notoriously, you know, kind of a slow burn, you know. So, uh, and I don't think that book is going to be any different if it's as large as you say. I mean, it is the Fair it enough. is the longest book in the world, right? Like, uh, isn't that I the... think so. I think the longest novel, I mean, I'm sure someone out there has tried to beat it just to have the record, but in terms of like long-lasting actual yeah. You know, got a reputation. Yeah, it's the longest novel in it. Um, which is interesting cuz it seems like at the end it turns more into like a political treatise, like it moves away from fiction into more like talk to the audience maybe because i've when i've flipped to the back of the book because there are notes at the back i've looked at the the last couple pages just glancing through and it seems like it changes its like who it's like it's not narrative it changes from being narrative to something else but i don't know if that's accurate or not i'll certainly update everyone once i get there okay but it'll still be at least two more weeks before i finish this book uh, so how's the, how's the expanse coming for you? Have you had a chance to so keep going? I have, or yeah? I have been reading a little more, obviously, because of other things that are going on. It's, it's, I've slowed down significantly. My plan this week is to power through and get to, to where I'll only have about a third of the book left. Um, okay. that's, that's the plan for this coming week. So hopefully by, Correct. by this time next week, I should only have about a third left. I've already got it marked in there. So I know where I can, you know, kind of stop and take a breather. So I'm not. I'm not too far off. I am enjoying the book. I, I, I will admit it took me a while because you know, as you had said, this is the book where everybody kind of like separates and goes their own way and does right. their own thing a little bit, and that's not something I always enjoy, um, mm-hmm. especially when you do things where you have a an ensemble cast that works as like a a team or a crew or whatever. Yes. I like seeing them together. I like watching right. their dynamic together versus this telling, and it's kind of like. Well, not even kind of, it is. Everybody is their own lead. And it's right. weird to see certain people, like, watching them make decisions, or in this case, reading about them making decisions. And you're kind of like, you wouldn't do that if Holden was next to you or if Naomi was here. <laughs> and I'm thinking of one character right. in particular. And I'm like, yeah, there's, Amos. yes. Amos. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you know, done what you did, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, right. um. Yeah. It's interesting. Don't get me wrong. And again, like I said, I am enjoying it. And I'm also looking forward to getting to that point and then going back and watching the show and watching this section of the show and seeing how they play right. that out. But uh, yeah, not quite uh, there yet. And uh, with this move and stuff, um, there's there's just so much to do with it. So I'm I'm you know my time is. Uh, split. Plus, I'm still working. Of course, I didn't take off any time to do any of these things. Of course not, because why? Why? Why give yourself a break in any regard? Right? Just do it all. <laughs> that sounds like a huge mistake. I'm telling you right yeah. now, packing and moving is difficult work. It's it's, it's not. Just, I mean, there's there's so much because there's so many things like I'm realizing that I want to do. And yes, I could say you know let's put this off until later until the movie's complete. But I'm also realizing that I'm in kind of a unique spot where I can if if I do my due diligence and knock several things out now while we're still like kind of organizing and laying foundation for you know how we're going to live and all that other kind of stuff it'll make things better in the long run like for example i'm really like adamant about having um this pepper garden and so i have already you know i've 
the the backyard needs some work, but I've already like marked off the area where I want it to be, and I've already done some preliminary measurements, and I'm like, okay, here are some things that I need and whatever else. And so I'm like, since I'm already moving, I'm like, you might as well move that stuff there too instead of waiting. Right. And so it's stuff like right. that, you know, and then there's just so much stuff that needs to be gone through um for just you know are we going to keep it are we going to sell it are we going to you know whatever you know all that kind of stuff and then you know just you know getting my my daughters in a new area so new school and new teachers and meetings for all of that stuff and yeah so it's it's a lot to do a lot more than i'm used to in doing a movie this is the first time that i'm moving as a quote unquote responsible adult so i'm you know you got to make sure all your stuff is done i you know file for the change of address for your mail i had to set an appointment so i can get my id updated i had the water service and the electric service and the uh you know the uh what's the other one um trash and Internet, Internet yeah, yes, and all, all of these yeah. things, and it's just like, oh man! Like before, it was just like, ah, I just move and I'll sleep on the floor <laughs> until stuff arrives. I don't care, you know. So figure it out when you got. Yeah, and now out. I'm like, no, we got to have, you know, my my sweet baby can't sleep on the floor. She needs her 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 princess <laughs> bed and her blankets and her yeah. you know whatever. So yeah, she does. yeah, and yeah, and she does, she does. She's very adamant, and don't let, yeah. don't let me forget something because I'll never hear the end of it. So it's. <laughs> this is a lot of coordinating um, that we're doing, yeah. but I'm I like I said, despite the st- added stress and all the steps to do everything, I am enjoying it. So, and I'm looking Good. forward to how things are going to change in the future because I've actually figured out how this is this is going to benefit us in a lot of different ways beyond just space. So, right. well, we'll talk about that later. There's no one, there's no need for <laughs> everybody on a, on this <laughs> podcast to hear about that. So, as I like to say all the time, we are not here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about this tragedy of an episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. I'm just going to start it right there. Oh man, this is a terrible episode. And if you think it's yes, a good it episode, is. I'm getting ready to rip your favorite episode shreds. And so is David. Oh. So if you don't want to hear Perry, it, Perry, I'm should, so glad you when get you and I were here. talking before we got on. <laughs> Before we got on, I was wondering if you were going to be like, oh, I like this episode because it's a Jadzia and it's a Worf episode. So I was worried. I was like, and then I was like, oh, man, am I going to be the bad guy? And then you and I were talking. You're like, I hate this episode. I was like, I hate this episode. (laughs) So this is good. I'm glad we're in agreement. I hope uh, our audience will, if they agree with us, we'll be able to agree on the same points. Or at the very least, if people do like it. Uh, we'll have some fun, uh, you know, going back and forth oh, with why we are. Uh, people like or dislike it. So, so with that being said, for both of us, I was going to say, or... do you want do you want to recap it or do you want me to recap it? Um, well, I just watched it, but I really don't like it, and okay. I do feel like you do a really good job recapping. I will do so a do very think? great, you... succinct job on recapping this, and so that we can get into you, it. You usually okay, do. So... And you're going to do it real fast. Oh, yes. I know it. Here we go. Um, <laughs> recap this episode. Worf is a big dumb baby. There, done. <laughs> episode over Uh, now obviously there's more to it than that so no here's the true synopsis which is basically that uh jadzia and morph are looking to get away and have a vacation together now that they've kind of established the relation that they're in a relationship it's kind of rocky kind of tenuous but they're in the relationship so they've decided to go to the very beautiful the very relaxing vacation recreation planet uh, the infamous vacation recreation planet risa and um Worf is very hesitant to go, but because it's Chadzia, he agrees. Um, they, they take Bashir and Lita and Quark in tow, and this 
also greatly upsets Worf, who pretty much just wanted to be alone with Jadzia, which, by the way, one of the one redeeming qualities of the episode is you get to see Jadzia in a bathing suit. So I understand his <laughs> desire to be alone with Jadzia. Terry Farrell is amazing. She looks fantastic and she does a great job in this episode. She's probably the best part. She's probably the best part of this episode. But I mean, that's again, there's so much that's bad. But anyway, they make it to Ryza. She wants to, you know, have him enjoy himself, relax a little bit. Worf is being the colossal Klingon stick in the mud that uh, he's he's being more Worf than normal. Like, if that's even possible, he's just being more of an ass. And you just... I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> I'm on Worf's side in this episode, uh, buddy. Okay. I, I thought you and I were going to agree. I'm, that... I'm not. Okay. I'm absolutely not. Well, you know, okay, argue, so that's anyway. Fine. That's great. So, yes, we are going to argue. So I'm not on Worf's <laughs> side at all in this episode. And I will explain why. And obviously, we're, we will debate this. But anyway, so Worf's being a stick in the mud. Tazia's trying to enjoy herself. Bashir and Leader are off doing everyone, apparently. And Quark is trying Seriously. to. Uh, you know, so eventually they run into this group called the Essentialists. They're this group of radical, uh, seeming, not all of them are human. There's a Bolian in their group. Uh, that I saw, and they believe that the Federation has gone soft, that the people of the Federation have gone soft, in particular humans, that humans believe that they've, you know, they believe that they deserve a life of luxury and ease, but there are real threats and real dangers lurking out there, and if they don't, you know, shape up real soon, they're going to find themselves uh, cannon fodder and slaves to the Klingons, the Borg, the Dominion, they name a bunch of groups. Right. So they basically are like wanting to shut down Ryza and get people back to, you know, these what they call the essentials of living so that they can be, you know, better prepared for these threats that are coming. Um, At first, you know, Worf kind of is on the fence as to whether or not he, you know, is into them or not. But then after catching Jadzia doing some uh, ghost-esque clay modeling, with uh, one of the attractive female um, liaison people from Ryza, whose name is Arandis, which is a great name, by the way. Um, After catching her with Arandis, he kind of just, that pushes him over. That's his tipping point. And he gives the essentialists an uplink to the weather control grid, which shuts it down and allows for the natural weather of Ryza to take over. So now the pleasure planet has turned into this rainy, stormy, crap place um you know they uh uh, they they give a couple more great speeches Worf says his piece to you know Jadzia a couple of times it almost seems like their relationship is going to end but then Jadzia comes to him and is like hey you know like you're this paragon of Klingon courage and honor and integrity or whatever else but when it comes to the actual you know Klingonness of enjoying life you don't do any of it so like what's your deal and that's when Worf finally kind of breaks down and he tells her the story about growing up as a orphan Klingon you know he breaks down for Worf, I should say. It's not. It's not. He doesn't get down on he, his. He was vulnerable. Yes, he, he opens his, his multi-chambered side. heart yes. and tells her yes. the story of yes. being a young Klingon growing up in a human colony, and how when he was thirteen playing soccer, he accidentally killed somebody. And ever since then, he's realized he's a big, strong Klingon, and everybody else is a pale, fragile human, and he's got to be super careful, or else somebody he loves could get hurt. They kind of make a man. She's like, hey, you know, you got to, you know, let some of that go. Basically, does he let anything go? 
eh, maybe a little, I don't know. But then the ground starts to shake because of the uplink that he gave to the Essentialist they've now used to further hijack and corrupt the control system and now they're causing earthquakes so they go back to the essentialist group demand they turn over the uplink the guy eventually does but then he tries to get Worf to stay Worf is like nah I'm not a part of this anymore I don't care the guy grabs him demands that he stays and then he commits a damn near fatal mistake by slapping Worf across the face (laughs) and Worf straight up one arm picks this man up and holds him over his head and then tosses him across the room <laughs> clearly demonstrating why Worf does need to practice some restraint because if he can do that with one arm pick up this middle-aged man and hurl him that effortlessly across there and I mean we saw him hit the the wall first then fall to the table and then go so that means he had to fully pick him up several several inches probably a couple of feet to throw him like that right. uh yeah Worf's terrifyingly strong. Like, you don't think about it, but in that moment, you should. Uh, And then Worf and Jadzia leave, and then they decide to go skinny dipping before their shuttle takes off and takes them back to the station. And that is essentially the end of the episode. Um, Yes, there are other things we're going to discuss, but that is it. That is is the synopsis. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep, that's right. So, you think Worf is a stick in the mud? Is that... Accurate? Yes. Okay, so why don't you go into some detail there and tell us your opinion, and then I'll give you mine, because I am definitely on okay. Worf's side and right. how this episode goes. So Not all the way, uh, he does yeah. overstep his bounds, but yeah. So this is not to say that Jadzia is totally innocent, however, again, I'm saying that this is an episode that makes Worf look bad, and I don't like it, because Worf is one of my favorite characters. He has been since I first saw that big burly Klingon on the Enterprise, you know, he, he yes. has been. But it's this is the kind of stuff that makes me upset with the character because he is supposed to be this very honor-driven, you know, paragon character, but then he lets stupid things upset him and sway him, and he does these childish things, and that's what I don't like. So... When they like from the whole episode is basically Worf being upset with Jadzia being Jadzia. He doesn't want her telling about their travel plans to Captain Sisko and Odo. He wants it kept private. Right. He doesn't want Lita and uh, Bashir to go because he again he wants everything to be quiet. He doesn't want or to be between them and between him and Jadzia. He doesn't want Quark to go, which I kind of understand because Quark can be a, a bit <laughs> annoying. I, I get that. But like, but then right. he's he's rude on the shuttle, you know. Tell the Ferengi to go back to his quarters. He won't let the guy even come out of the quarters on the runabout. He's being incredibly rude to him. I understand not liking him, but you could at least call him by his name instead of tell the Ferengi right. to leave. Like, like that, I I don't like that. Then you know he gets to the planet. He meets uh, her friend Arandis. He's very short with her. Um, for no reason. There's no reason for it. He's just so in his feelings, and I'm just like, uh, I can't wait cut, to defend War. Cut it out. My turn. Go. Well, <laughs> and so, and I mean, he knows that Jadzia had past lives. He knows that those past lives, you know, again, they they lived. They were people. They would have had connections. The possibility of running into some of those past connections is, um, 
it's a, it's possible. It's a thing. So him getting right. so upset that she runs into an uh, an ex, whatever they are, ex lover, ex friend, ex comrade, whatever, it shows that he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't fully accept her cultural difference, and also that he doesn't trust her enough. And it's one thing to be, you know jealous it's another to be irrational and Worf tips that scale when he finally gives in to the essentialists and gives them an uplink which doesn't just ruin his and Jadzia's vacation he ruins the vacations for hundreds of thousands of people because he's too small and in his feelings and that's why I don't like this episode yeah yeah I don't like that part either I I feel like yeah the so let me put it this way I am more on Worf's side in that description of, of events and how things go. But I also agree with you that this episode doesn't do any war for any favors. I feel like this episode in trying to, because the episode is on Jadzia's side. The episode wants us to have this fun, loving adventure, vacation, uh, free love approach. And Worf is not like that. And so instead of the episode following Worf and him either like, coming to terms with it. I mean, that's what the episode does. He comes to terms with it by the end, but he goes about it by joining the radical extremists who, you know, if they can't convince you, they're going to threaten violence. That's what they do. They literally threaten violence at one point. They come running into some rooms, start tearing things apart, and they have guns, and they threaten violence. But it turns out that the guns don't actually have any charge. We weren't going to actually hurt anybody. Bunch of jerks. You know, like, just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you get to just, you know, mess with their lives. And so when the guy goes at the end of the episode, is like, I'm going to show them uh, how, how I'm going to, I'm going to cause earthquakes. I'm going to get them off the planet. They'll never forget this moment. He's a complete jerk. And because, and just because Worf has agreed with him before, you know, Worf is like, okay, you're going too far. And that's, that's the right answer. But you're right that Worf goes too far in his attempts to make a make a point and so it makes Worf look bad yeah the whole episode makes Worf look bad yes but go ahead but but for me the problem is Jadzia like let me put it let me back up and put it this way tell me if you disagree or not but it seems to me that Jadzia is the one who initiated this relationship with Worf you know it was in the episode where they got together it was the episode where uh, Worf was pining after a Klingon woman that knew Quark, and uh, Quark needed help, and so Worf helps Quark woo this Klingon woman. And then at the end of the episode, Jadzia is basically basically uh, seduces him in the sense of, like, you don't know what you've been missing, I've been in front of you this whole time, kind of uh, seduction. You know, like, they, they fight in that Klingon's fight, when they have sex the opening of the episode is Jadzia is once again, got another muscle pull, uh, that, you know, Odo and, and Cisco give her a hard time for, can't you and Worf have, have sex without, you know, trying to kill each other. And Jadzia is like, this is just part of the fun of having sex with a Klingon. And that's my problem. I feel that Jadzia is treating Worf like a boy toy and Worf deserves better than what Jadzia gives him this entire episode. She knows who Worf is, and at the climax of this episode, she actually does the worst thing possible. She shoves it in his face. She does. She said, he's, you, I've been around says, more Klingons than you. Yeah. 
That's exactly right. And that for me is unforgivable in a relationship. I have to admit when she use... when she said that I was like, okay, that was too far. That was that was that, below that, the belt. Right and there. for me, that is the climax of the episode for her. She never once in this entire episode ever, not a single damn time ever says to Worf, "I understand you. I understand your concerns. I uh, I want you to trust me in the sense that I will make room for your request she does at the end he wanted to she does towards the end of their argument she says that you know you she basically is saying you need to trust me and i and and i can also be a bit more restrained yes by the end of the episode they have reconciled a bit but for me the entire episode she does this he wanted to go to earth what does she do she wants to go to risa and so she basically forces him to go to risa by i mean They've already agreed to go to Ryza when she's been announcing it to everybody. But by that point, he doesn't have a chance to pull out anymore. He can't say, I really don't want to go to Ryza. I really do want to go somewhere else. At that point, she's announced it to everybody. And he's feeling awkward about it. And she never once says, you know what? Um, If you don't feel comfortable going there, then let's do something else. Worf, the entire episode, is made to feel uncomfortable by Jadzia's actions, she never apologizes for it. Even at the end, she doesn't really apologize. And then the moment of vulnerability that comes from him is beautiful. It makes sense. It makes sense for his character. It makes sense for him as a Klingon. It's poignant. And I don't feel Jadzia deserved that from Worf. She did not deserve that moment of vulnerability because she hadn't done it for him. And even though he's the one who did wrong with the whole essentialist nonsense... I, I was more mad at Jadzia than ever before. I even said out loud watching this episode to myself, like, you know, just to the character, like, F you, Jadzia. The way you're responding to Worf, he is trying to tell you his feelings. He wants to sit down and have a conversation, and you keep berating him. I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. Oh, this is my ex, and I you should trust me. Excuse me. <laughs> if you've been around for as long as you apparently have, and you've been a man... You also know that men treat loyalty very, very importantly. It's not just Klingons who do that. And for you to then throw it back at him, hey, I'm just having dinner with an ex. Excuse me? I wouldn't want my 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 partner to have dinner with an ex. So yeah, I'm with Worf. Like, what are you doing? So it was so, it was lunch, not dinner. And, well, uh, but I do I do understand what you're saying. I, if I was in a relationship with someone and she was going to have any whatever with an ex, I'd be like, "You sure about that? <laughs> you sure that's the yeah. the choice you want to make?" You know. But at the right. same time, um, to defend Jadzia a bit more here, uh, Jadzia is over 300 years old, or Dax true, is over true. 300 years old. And the blending of the lives and the experiences and all of that coming together into this one person. I can't imagine what that would do to a person and how they feel they need to express themselves or how they feel that they are or, you know, like in their, I guess, in their self-confidence, in, you know, what they would or wouldn't do, trustworthiness, whatever. I can't imagine having that much time of experience, what that would do to a person. Um, So in this situation, you know, Worf is very much a child in comparison to Jadzia and to the combined experiences of Dax. And 
while I do agree that Jadzia should have, you know, shown a little bit more deference to uh, Worf and his feelings and what was going on, I also feel like Worf was blatantly ignoring the fact that they were not the same. In fact, he keeps saying to her all the time, a Klingon woman would do this, a Klingon woman would do that, but she's not Klingon, and holding her to the same kind of standard or expectation of Klingons doesn't make any sense. And she... Uh, I have an objection to that, but keep going. Now, now Jadzia has done a lot to kind of in, in certain aspects, adopt a very Klingon mindset and attitude, but That's she's also, but she's also demonstrated plenty of times before how she is not. She's not all right. about the warrior lifestyle and that culture and stuff. She is just as much into uh, playing pranks and jokes and going to the Hobishian baths. And, you know, when, when war, when war first meets Jadzia, she's playing uh, maid Marian, I think in the hollow suites with Kira. You know, so she's right. not she's not fully, you know, oh, yeah, she's a, uh, a trill, but she's fully adapted this Klingon lifestyle. She has not done that. Now, there right. have, as we've seen, she there have been times where she has leaned into being more Klingon, like when she went off with Kor, Kang, and Koloth to kill the albino, you know, but that right. still does not mean that she is, you know, Klingon. So right. all I'm saying is that, again, yes, she should show some deference, but he should also remark that or, or remember that no matter how much she partakes in certain rituals and ceremonies, mm-hmm. she is still right. essentially not Klingon. And holding her to that right. standard doesn't totally make sense. So my my counterpoint to that is that if Jadzia came to Worf, especially in the moment where they first were together, however you want to put that language, but the first time they ever made love is because she had been, she she used Klingon, she had a Batleth, like, it was as Klingon as it could have gotten the first time they were together. And so it's true that she's not a Klingon, but in that moment, she was expressing, I understand you as a Klingon. And so for me, the problem is, is again, as I feel like Jadzia is the one who initiated this relationship. Okay. And so any any time that she's like, well, I don't understand what he's trying to explain himself. It's like, well, you're the first person who made a move. I, so I, I think he, I see where you're. I think I see where you're going. Go ahead. Right. So I fully agree with you that yes, Worf is not. I'll, I'll say it this way. Right now. I don't find them a compelling couple. They don't understand each other. She's the fun-loving. She enjoys Klingons because that's who she was in the past, and she's skilled. But does she really love Worf? Does she really like Worf the man? Or is he just a Klingon? Again, is he just a Klingon boy toy? Is he more than that? And then for him to her, okay, she might have come on to you in a Klingon style, but she is different. And at some point, like if you're so upset because she's not – responding to you the way you want are you gonna have the balls and just say i'm gonna have to stop this relationship even though in klingon culture we might have been married clearly our relationship is not that and you don't seem to want to go down that path with me which is where i want to go and so i need to go ahead and just say i'm done so i'm just frustrated with both of them i feel like they're 
they're they're not gelling at all. Well, because I think, and if they ever do, then they need to really work on it because they are see, far away. Well, see, I think that I think they make a compelling couple because I feel like she is a great way to get Worf to embrace that side of himself that he has so restrained for so long. You know, right. she as a person who do who does understand. Uh, Klingon culture, she can come right. to him and initiate certain things with him to get him to open up a bit. Right. And so, yeah, right. she came to him. She did initiate the their their relationship, and she pursued him. And he even says, you know, you know, how do you want to proceed? Because you were the aggressor. You started this, not me. That's what he says in right. that episode, looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. At the end, right. in the in the infirmary, he says, "You were the aggressor. You started this. How do you want to proceed?" Um, right. I think that. She can do a. She can certainly do a better job of trying to get him to get into the spirit of things and being a bit right. more relaxed and uh, exuberant because it's it's okay to enjoy things. He is far right. too restrained, and this, if this episode does anything, it does highlight just how you know uh, how much of an outlier Worf is to uh, right. certain things like parties and events and 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 vacations and whatever else, you know? And that's not something that we should really be um, surprised by because if you remember on The Next Generation, I mean, how often did we see Worf in the holodeck doing anything other than fighting monsters and training and stuff like that, you know? The the few times that he, he did go, it was to either rescue someone or because his son dragged him in there and he, you know, right. reluctantly did that, that, that kind of recreation is not on his radar at all. Um, True. but again, at the same time, you know, Jadzia is a exceedingly complicated person. Even Quark and Bashir were like, yeah, this is cause they were on Worf's side too. They were like, yeah, if I'd walked in and seen you with a past lever, I'd, yeah, I wouldn't have handled it well either. But they're like, but right. yeah, you're you're complicated. You're you know, you do all these weird things, and you're so outlandish half the time. And you know, it, it can be fun from afar, but uh, up close, not so right. much. You know, right. and kind of you know reminding her that yeah, you are different. You again, I, I, I'm going back to the whole the many lives of Dax, influencing her to have these kind of eccentricities that. Other people who only live one life don't don't have. Right. So right. it's not altogether a bad thing, but I still think that Worf, instead of taking the time to explain himself to her earlier, way earlier than what he did, he allowed himself to get deep in his feelings, and he allowed his feelings to help him make a bad decision. I don't think that uh, is, everything that he does, all the bad things he does in this episode are, are to me, uncharacteristic of the wharf that we've gotten to know since Next Generation. You know? Yeah. I, I, I again, I'll, I'll say it. The, the whole wharf joining with the, the, what are they called again? The minimalists? The essentialists. Essentialists, yeah. Like, so part of me fully understands the essentialist argument you guys are soft and weak and you don't you aren't prepared for the hard things in life including the fact that we might all be invaded by enemies who will treat this place like they'll trash it and you're all gonna be dead fair argument 
And yeah. Worf is someone who directly responds to that argument. He He's someone who trains for fighting. He does. However, the whole problem with that argument is I don't expect, like, an airline stewardess. I don't expect someone who runs a poker table. I don't expect certain people to be, like, trained warriors, if, if that makes sense. Like, my yeah. the whole point of Ryza... Well, I certainly am of the of yes, I am the I'm the certainly the type of Riza is a place that the hedonism I don't I don't think is a good idea. It's it's a bad See, idea I think on a moral yeah. level. But I understand what I, no, I understand what you're saying. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying my whole point is is that you have to let those people be. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna force people to change their mind by abusing them, berating them, and committing criminal acts against them. Yeah, it's gonna do the exact opposite. And so Worf is a complete nut job. Yeah. He he does lose his his sanity for a bit. Um I, I, mean, I, I do think he is he's doing it for the right reasons, but as we've heard many times, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So yeah. you know, don't that's not an excuse. Um but I also will push back a little bit. While Worf is he does fail to have a conversation with Jadzia about his feelings. He does say multiple times, "I want to have a private conversation." He does. Now he does. He does. He doesn't that. do a good job of of following through when Jadzia gives him pushback. He's like, uh, "You go to bed. I'll come in later." You know, like no, you need to push through the hard conversation. Because he was feeling you too. To, yeah, he had his feelings too yeah, hurt then. Exactly. Yeah. So he's not perfect. I'm not saying he's perfect. I am just saying that I feel like Jadzia was really, really in the wrong here. And failed epically in this relationship, especially – I'll say it again. You can't – it's so hypocritical for her to say, I thought you were supposed to be like all the other Klingons. But it turns out, oh, wait a minute. I've been around Klingons more than you ha- – like, are well, you I, she kidding didn't, me? She that- didn't necessarily say that he was supposed to be like other Klingons. But no, she – basically she's like – other Klingons well, no. have a love for love of life and a love of well, fun. What she and says you're not to like him, other Klingons. What she challenges him with in that scene, because he says a Klingon woman would do whatever it was, and she said, "How would you right. know?" And right. yes. and that's what she's throwing back in his face because he's trying to speak right. on this authority of an experience right. that we all know he has not had. So that's Fair what enough. she is trying to challenge him on. And then she does bring up like, "Yeah, you you follow these certain." aspects of Klingon culture but you don't embrace all of it you have cut yourself off from this other side of those things like yes Klingons are honorable and they are warriors and they fight hard and all this kind of stuff but there's also a joy that they have that comes from that they celebrate their victories they drink, they fight, they roughhouse they do these things, you don't do any of those things, why? and then we later find out why but that's what she's challenging him on there um Fair enough. That is fair. I, yeah. I understand it. I want to go back to the essentialist thing really quick, though, because yeah, what yeah, you were saying, ahead, like, yeah, yeah. I understand not agreeing with the Federation having a pleasure planet, but let's let's put that into context here. So, you know, we're talking about in the entire Federation, there is one pleasure planet that these people have decided is against <laughs> that is against the essentials of the Federation that they want to have and be a part of, and so they want to shut it down. If we frame this in the the proper context here of just our world, that's like some militia group, some militant extremist group saying they want to shut down Jamaica. 
Las Vegas or, 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 Va- Jamaica. or, or yeah. yeah, well, Jamaica's probably yeah. a, a to, for the for the Better. landscape that they Fair were enough. on, the Fair going enough. to the islands and all that, shutting down the Caribbean. They want to shut it down because right. everybody who ever goes there, all they do is drink and party and have sex and carouse around, and it's this amoral right. uh, place, and we need you to shut it down because it's, in our view, it is a terrible place where people think that they can only live in should only have to live in ease and luxury and permanent vacation or whatever else. That's that is right. the equivalent. They the, right. the whole rest of the world is is not that, but we have this one area where you can go and just kind of, you know, let your troubles go, vacation, relax, whatever. You're right. not there forever. It is a vacation planet. No one except right. for the actual Rhysians live there. Everybody else just comes for vacation and they go back to their lives, their jobs, their whatever. But they right. have fixated on it and decided to shut it down. So yeah, that's to me, that's how you got to frame it. On our right. planet, that's this one weird militia group that no one's ever really paid any attention to has suddenly got control of the keys to Jamaica and locking everybody out. Right, makes no sense. Yeah, and it's it doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. Um, I always thought it was also funny too when they like stage the you know they, they throw them things down, they tear the curtains down. That's in one building. If this is a whole planet, you know, are you guys really effective? Because talking to ten people about your opinions ain't really going to make change right. on a whole planet. Let me tell you. Um, and you know that whole thing charging in with phasers and stuff. And regardless of whether or not the power cells are active, that's the same thing as you know a person who walks into a a, gross, a gas station with a gun and points it at the cashier. Regardless right. of whether or not the gun is loaded, you know the person right. doesn't know that. The person you're pointing it at doesn't know that. The threat is right. still real, so they can't yes. be like, "Oh well." You still get arrested for pointing an unloaded gun. Yeah, at yeah. He can't be like, "Oh well." Yeah, we the yeah. power cell wasn't charged, so no crime. No, yeah. still a crime. And, and the <laughs> and it's funny because the guy who does it, the leader, he's like, "I know I could do this because the the Rhysians won't prosecute, so I Which, know that I'm in no danger." Which, which again, is like, just is I mean, a, is that's where the federation should step in. I think you know, is it their federation courts or something? So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so they bring up that they bring up that point too, because it's like Jadzia says she could arrest him, but ultimately, the the rising government would have to decide to press charges against Process. the guy. Yeah, it could it could be brought to a federation court, but if the rising people are like, yeah, we're not going to press charges or whatever, then there's there's no there's nothing else to be done there. Because um, it was on their planet, they were, you know, it's it's that kind of sovereignty that the Federation grants. You can still be a member of the right. Federation, but you're still in charge of your planet and what happens on your planet. And it's only until yeah. you feel like you need the Federation to step in that you know anything on their level happens. So he's fully right. taken advantage of the fact that these people are like, mm, we we don't we don't feel like fighting to go around right. and stage his own little paramilitary exercises and stuff. Right. And it's and it's interesting that it's only in a place like this where everything is so peaceful and lax that a person like that could do what he did. Because you couldn't get away with that on Vulcan, for example. Oh, no. There's no way yep. he would have been able to be grandstanding and giving speeches and whatever else. No way. Wouldn't have happened. Yep. That's right. I don't think That's he would have right. got away with it on Earth. You know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's be- it's specifically right. because of what Riza is that he's able to do it. They say that you know, like even they said, yeah, we he Aranda says, you know, he's annoying, but 
if it makes him happy, we're okay with it because that's what we as a culture are about. We want people who come here to enjoy their time here. They're just not expecting people like this guy to set up camp as he apparently has. And he's doing the very thing that he's accusing all the other guests and visitors of Rise of doing. He's literally living in paradise, in ease. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as his character showed up, I was like, okay, here's the villain. <laughs> and, of course, he's this moralist preacher. Because uh, that's, that's part of the reason why I didn't like it. Because, I mean, I, I take my religious beliefs seriously. And so he comes off in that way. But he's such a parody of what, like, I mean, to be very clear, I, I should back up. There are definitely people like him. Oh, Don't yeah, get me there, wrong. there's a lot. There there's are 100% lot. of people who their whole job in life, they think, is to go around just berating people for their the, their lives and, 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 and it just make everyone else's life a hell. You know, it's like, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. I'm going to harangue you until you're, yeah. you know, so pissed off. You're not, living, um, you're not living your life the way I think that you should, so I'm going to exactly. make you and others like you miserable. Exactly. And so the reference this episode makes it's with the title, Let He Who Is Without Sin – that is a reference to the Gospel of uh, of John. It's John seven fifty three through eight eleven, uh, where the woman caught in adultery is brought to him. And the story goes: Jesus is a woman is brought to him. She's accused of committing adultery, and according to the law of Moses, uh, adultery can be punished with stoning. So, you know, death. You know, and so the the Pharisees they bring this woman to Jesus and they say, "Well, what do you think we should do?" And he kind of ignores them at, at first, but when they pressure him, he says, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. It's basically saying that the law, the Moses's law said you could do it. Okay, that's what the law says. Now, who of you is ready to really get this going? You know, who of you is without sin? And the point at the end of the of the parable or of the story is that after all of, everyone leaves because they realize you know you know they all they all start leaving after he says that uh, she is still there all by herself and she says he says to her oh what happened to everybody and she said they all left and he says okay well um, I'm not going to condemn you go your way and sin no more. So the whole point of the parable here is that sin is still wrong and you shouldn't do it. And therefore, you know, even even though judging someone else for their sinful behavior is many times inappropriate. So that's basically what this guy is doing. He's yes. he's inappropriately accusing people of sinful behavior. But the the parable still ends with you still shouldn't do stuff. So I feel like well, this episode t- wants Riza to be this. Para- yeah. This, like, I, I do feel like there's still something to say to Riza of like this lifestyle. Like, I should back up. I'm talking so much. The Bashir part of the episode where he's turns out he's actually breaking up with um, Lita. with Lita. They're not there to have a time together. They're actually there to have time apart. And then they do this weird little ritual where they like that was break the strangest. Up. That was the strangest breakup ritual I've ever seen. Uh, uh, yeah, they both. Yeah, they break a glass or it was a, a it was dish. a serving dish, right? This. Yeah, it's to com- to point out that they're no longer a couple, and then when they're done, Lita is suddenly all 
talking about how actually she really wants to be with Rom, which is hilarious. Yeah. It's it's hilarious, but my point is is that that's I don't feel like that's realistic at all. I mean, the the, re- the reaction that Bashir has when he finds out that she wanted to break up with them because she actually has a, a crush on someone else, it's not that they just drew, grew apart. That nonsense that the ritual seemed to be suggesting. No, no, no. She actually has the hots for someone else, and so Bashir's all pissed yeah. off now. So I just feel like Riza is not a place that I would recommend. As a, as a good place to be, because I feel like relationships are treated very casually there, which is why I'm mad at Jadzia, because that's how she's basically, I feel like she's been treating Worf. Worf wants to be serious, she wants to be casual. So, I'm like, this this whole episode just grinds my gears. So, so uh, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna defend Ryza a bit, because okay. Ry- no, the, the planet Ryza is, it's primarily built as a vacation planet. This is the place to come and in a, in, a, in a real environment, not on the holodeck or whatever, in a real environment to engage in whatever your passions are. We see people, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a whole lot of, you know, amorous whatever's going on, interspecies, so forth and so on. But we also see there's a lot of other things that are going on too. There's there's the hiking and the picnics and the being down by the beach and surfing and hoverball hover and game playing and clay modeling and sculpting and whatever else. It just seems to be a planet that's geared around whatever kind of activity that you want to do that you couldn't do wherever you were before. You can do here right. freely at your own pace and right. your own time. Right. And then when you're right. when you're when you got to go back, you got to go back. No, no right. big deal. No fuss, no muss. Right. So um, while they're obviously they put a very heavy emphasis on the fact that you know sex is a part of being on Riza, it is not right. the only part of being on Riza. So I'm not gonna right. I'm not gonna necessarily say that Riza is something that shouldn't exist, but for for people who are traveling in sp- starships and however far removed they are from their homes and they're breathing recycled air and all this stuff to know that there's a planet you can go to and just hang out and read right. or whatever. And Ryza has a very storied history in Trek. It's been featured many, many times and different right. aspects of it, of course. But right. yes, like for example, in the show Enterprise, when they finally, when that crew finally goes to, um, Riza, the cat, the cast, the crew, they all do different things to enjoy themselves. The captain, he just gets a, a, a beachside, you know, hotel room, and he's just there with right. his dog, just chilling, reading, right. reading books. I mean, he eventually meets someone, and they have dinner a few times, and then, yeah, it turns out she's actually a spy or whatever. We're not going to talk about that. I'm just saying, initially, all he wanted to do was have a nice place where he could relax, look out at the ocean, read a book have some good food, and chill with his dog. And that's exactly what he got. Someone else did come along later on and interject and put other stuff you know, around him. But that's what he wanted. That's what he got. The, the communications officer, she wanted to go and learn some languages and not have to rely on the universal translator and just kind of immerse herself in the culture of the people. And that's right. what she got. She went there. Yeah. She met multiple people of different ages and demographics and whatever else. Yes, she did end up meeting someone else and some other things happened. But I'm saying, initially, that's what she got. The other guys, they wanted to see the rising nightlife. And that's what they got. One guy right. went mountain climbing. I mean, he, he wanted right. to go mountain climbing. That's what he got. So I'm just saying, Riza right. is all about 
giving you what you want and to, you know, either to your enjoyment or to your detriment. But that's to me, that's what vacation is supposed to be. You don't take vacations and schedule a vacation to be full of things you don't want. That doesn't make any sense. My, my whole, my whole point is, well, I true, I, I fully understand and agree that yes, vacations exist and should exist and places with beaches are fine. Resorts are fine. And I even think that we should allow people to engage in behavior that I think that are detrimental to them because I don't think forcing people to do things they don't want to do or or stopping them from doing things they want to do is always a good idea. I mean I think there are certain times when like you can't drink and drive or I do think that drugs frankly are – for certain drugs especially are just wrong. So you shouldn't shouldn't do them. We should make those illegal. But I'm not going to say that you can't go off and have a liaison with someone if you want, or there shouldn't be a place that somehow caters to it, because I don't think that that I think society is not served by stopping all of that and trying to limit it. I think there are the better option is saying, okay, you can do that, but I recommend something else. So my my whole point is with the whole like the, why I'm frustrated with the verse that's being used. If you're if anyone quotes the verse. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone, meaning that no one has a right to ever critique something ever. That's not what the meaning of the passage is. The meaning of the passage is you shouldn't critique someone. You shouldn't criticize them and their lifestyle and their how they're acting with a uh, behavior, with an attitude of you're better than everybody else. Uh, you, you don't have any sin of your own. You don't have your own faults. You do. Everyone has their own problems and they have their own sin behaviors. And so you have to act with that in mind. And therefore, while it's still wrong to do certain things, at least on a moral sense, uh, you should be very generous in your behavior with other people. You you give them the benefit of the doubt. You, you, you work with them. Like the way he – like the guy, when he gives his speech, he's like, I know you see me as a, as a fuddy-duddy, but I see you as children. Like, okay, you're not winning anybody over, bro. (laughs) No one's going to be convinced by this way you're doing things. If you want to convince people, you got to attract them with honey. Yeah. So so if there is to be a more um, secular interpretation of that parable, I think that it's, you know, the whole let let he who's without sin. I think, you know, you're, you're still right with it being, you know, we are all. I think that the point they were trying to make here is that we're all sinners and we all um, we don't have a right to stand in judgment of any other person. Um, and so what we're seeing in this episode and to whatever level of success you want to you know, say that they achieved here, you do have right. this very, you know, self-righteous person who's going around, you know, lecturing to people and so forth. Right. But then we see we see his sin. He bears it uh, for us with, you know, the moment that he sees an opportunity to seize power, he does. And he He is instantly corrupted by it. And he now goes from a little bad weather to now he's ready to shake the planet back down to its, you know, foundation. He wants, he's ready to level the whole place. And even as he's being warned by his fellow, what do you call them? You know, brothers in arms, his acolytes, whatever, you know, whatever term you want to use. Even as they're warning him, he is still ready to ramp up the seismic disturbances and stuff until Worf, yeah. you know. He's about ready to die for his Right. Cause. He, he yeah. is suddenly ready to take, take this all the way him. to the yeah. end. 
And, uh, you know, his whole message that he's been saying before all this is, oh, well, we don't want to hurt anybody. We're just trying to wake people up. We don't want to hurt you. We're, the weapons are they're not even charged. We're just trying to get your attention. What happened to all that? As soon as he got any kind of power, he instantly was like, I don't care. We're going to shake this place all the way down to the stones. Right. Right. So, um, you know, so again, it's showing us that this is the person who, you know, clearly has fallen, uh, fallen from grace here. If that's another term you want to use for it. But it's also, you know, the episode is also to show us that, you know, Worf is also this person who has this guilt, this this sin about him, which he is trying so hard to, you know, sit also in judgment of other people, but he himself is, is not perfect. And it's to remind, you know, in a way to remind him, you know, that, yeah, you are far from it and that's still okay. Like, don't keep punishing yourself for it. You can still live your life. As you said, in the parable, you know, the, you know, the ending is, you know, go your own way, but sin no more. You know, this is, also kind of the lesson for Worf here. Yes, this terrible right. thing did happen to you when you were younger, but that's not a right. reason to continue to punish yourself for the rest of your life. And that you are right. you are sabotaging the things that are good and decent in your life because you are allowing this thing that happened to you so long ago to plague you right. like this. So now it's time for you to go your own way. Don't don't right. hold this anymore. So Right. Interesting title, to say the least. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the second time we've had a verse used as a title yes. in this season. Just like three episodes ago, they did that. Yeah, nor the battle um, to the strong was the other one. Yeah. Yeah, that was just like two episodes ago. No, three. It was three episodes ago. Yeah. So I I like uh, I I like that they. I like that they do it because it makes for interesting, you know, when you're thinking about how it works for the episode and their overall meaning for things. I I do like that. Um, But at the same time, sometimes it also highlights how they fall short. And uh, yeah, that's that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just the thing that really gets me more than anything else is I feel like Worf is a character who's been dragged along by other characters for a long time. Even back on TN, uh, uh, the next generation, TNG, Worf was still the guy who was was always being dragged along by circumstances. He's the one who puts up with being exiled. He's the one who puts up with his house being, um, you know, def- defamed or whatever it's I called. I wonder how much of that was, now that we know the context of his life on the human colony, I wonder how much of that was was less about being an honorable Klingon and more about him serving a kind of penance for what he did. Yeah, it, it certainly does. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It, it, yeah, if we went back... That'd be, that it, color, yeah, that'd be an interesting way to now reframe the character of Worf. Right, it really would. Um, but for me, especially comes to the... Like, even the relationship he had with that other Klingon chick who's I liked a lot, but I can never remember her name. What was her name? Kalar. Mother of Alexander, Kalar. Kalar. Even Kalar was leading the relationship with 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 Worf. I want Worf to stand up and be a leader, and I hope on Picard that's what happens. I hope on Picard, like that's why it's so great. Like Worf is coming to his own, but for right now, Worf is still a character who is still a fish out of water. And if Jadzia, his 
romantic interest relationship is still uh, just another example of that. That it just so, oh, it feels wrong. I want Worf to really stand up for himself for what he values. And I don't. I, I do think it's fair to say that John Cena needs to help him break out of his shell. I totally agree. That's fine. I just don't like the way she did it in this episode. She did it in such a terrible way. But sorry, no. you want to say something? Go ahead. I was going to only say that you know in the later stuff with Picard and everything, I do feel like Worf. Uh, we we see a, a Worf who is more at peace with himself than right. you know we we ever have before. But there right. is a story about how that that newfound peace has come at a cost. And mm. um, it does have to deal with what Worf got up to after the events of Deep Space Nine and right. what he was doing beyond that. So, um, right. so yeah, he, he does become, uh, I think he, ultimately he does become a better, a, a better version of himself. Right. Um, but yeah, there is still some learning that he has to do. Um, I think that with Jadzia, I mean... I defend her because I I don't necessarily I don't see what she did beyond Captain Baudet really as a problem <laughs> because she's reassociated with other people from her past lives before. Again, you know right. she did this with Kor Kang and Koloth. She famously right. does this with Captain Cisco. Their friendship is just as strong, if not stronger, than when he was when she was Curzon. Um. She's done this, you know, now we see this with Arandis and so forth. And I know that Worf wasn't really around for the core uh and Kang stuff, but I mean he got to meet he got to meet Core and they did a mission right. together and we saw that. So him being so, you know, weirded out by her continuing to talk to people from past experiences is a bit ridiculous. And he sh- he should really learn to Yeah, he should learn to trust her because to date she hasn't done anything, really. She hasn't. She hasn't crossed that line. She's not betrayed him. She's not, you know. And she even says that she would never do anything to hurt him. And I believe her. I don't think that she. I don't think that she would. But his issue what? is he's got such an intense hang-up about relationships, and his relationship experience has been. We'll just use the word terrible. We'll, we'll just say terrible. <laughs> his most successful yeah. relationship was with Deanna Troy, and she married Riker. So what's that tell you? Yeah, but uh, I mean, my whole problem with Jazzy's approach is again, I don't feel like she ever truly. She never goes to Worf on his terms. She always she wants him to come to her on her terms, and that's fair to an extent. I'm not. It's uh, relationships are a two way street, and I just feel like this whole episode, she was the one who refused to ever offer any sort of reciprocation and it just pissed me off because we know how Worf is and I I uh, I'm okay with the idea we need to break him out of a shell that's fine but man she did a bad job of it this episode and it really just made me frustrated because I I just don't I don't think this relationship is starting off they're well. both I mean, if they're, relation- the thing is they're both very strong characters and they even say you know she says i will not change for you and he's like i'm not going to change for you and so you almost feel like in that moment right there that's probably where the relationship should have ended because there are these two very strong people who are are admitting right in this moment 
their unwillingness right. to compromise for one another. So, right. yeah, that's a problem in any relationship. I mean, you can have people exactly. who are, you know, very confident and whatever else, but every relationship comes with some degree of compromise. Um, True. But I, I, but, but I feel like the compromise in this instance did need to be Worf more than Jadzia because he was trying to control well, aspects I, of her life. Even so, here's my whole point. My whole point is even if on let let's make a scale of one to one hundred. Even if it is true that ninety percent of the move toward the other person should be Worf to Dax, the fact that she still has like ten percent of that one hundred where she needs to move, and the fact that she doesn't at all. <laughs> or at the very okay. least, it doesn't happen until the end. It doesn't happen until the end. The f- Even though he, he he might be the one who has to make more more move, which I don't fully agree with, but just as a case of argument, the fact that she never makes an attempt is frustrating to me. I well, just I feel very frustrated by that. I, I think that it's yeah. because partly she didn't understand really what his true objection was to use a phrase that i'm sure that you remember that we used to hear all the time you know it took her a while but she had to uncover his true objection and he didn't remember we used to hear that all the time at work you got to find the true objection (laughs) all the time yes that's so man very true so he was he was so restrained and he was so he wanted everything to be just them between them and and only them and he was deeply protective of that and she could not right. figure out why and it wasn't until right. he really started to kind of lay some things out for her that he that she then did get to understand a little bit right. of why he right. is the way that he is and she kind of had to remind him yeah you gonna you are gonna have to trust me you know right and that's totally fair i i want to be very clear i'm not saying that jadzia isn't making some le- legitimate points where she's not right in some points my whole my entire argument is that if you want someone to change the first thing you have to do a lot of times and i'm not saying this is always true i'm just saying oh well i think i just contradicted myself anyway one of the things that you really should try and think about is finding a way to show that you are to to, to make a peace offering if you make a peace offering I feel like a lot of times you're going to win over the other person. And I'm, I'm just frustrated that yeah. you didn't do that. Yeah. That, well, um, and, but neither, but and, then, and neither that Worf did. then Worf, lost his cool. Yeah, and, Worf didn't really give her a peace offering either until much later, until they were already at this fever pitch of hijacking, right. you know, weather systems. And he's now, right. you know, having to explain his boyhood trauma. And and you know that that's that was the peace offering I mean, if, there. If Worf is so uncomfortable with her even announcing things about the relation to other people, I, ugh, I just feel like at no point, at no point does she ever really, even if she rolled her eyes, even if she were to roll her eyes and do it, at least she would have done something. But she never gives Worf like if she wants him to trust her, she doesn't. What's the word? I mean, I guess trust isn't quite the right word for the for the other way things go, but just accommodate Worf. And then, ugh, anyway, I've said it a million times. I shouldn't repeat myself anymore. It's fine. I said my piece. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, ultimately, <sighs> um, the reason I don't like this, as I've said a little bit before too, the reason I don't like this episode is because it just to me it makes Worf seem like he's this 
belligerent child who, when he doesn't get his way, he shuts down the fun for everybody else. Like that's just classic. Yeah. That's just classic. You know, sandbox behavior. If I can't play, <laughs> then no one's going to play. You know, yeah. uh, you know that kind of thing. And you know. I I don't I don't like seeing him like that because I I like Worf being this honorable character. Um, yes. There are so few there are so few characters like that yeah. in in not just sci-fi but in a lot of different genres who are just they have so much integrity you know and right. you know when when just when people think they have found a way to like kind of bring them low a little bit you know it doesn't happen you know and it right. they they come out of that cleaner than before so you know Worf has always been criticized for how he handled you know raising Alexander and now we see this kind of bumbling here with his relationship with Jadzia which to me the way that Worf speaks about her and the way that he is around her it's clear that he's he's very much you know into her and into them having this relationship and it continuing so it's just so right. weird to see him intentionally throw up roadblocks um for no reason so that's what well, bothers me i feel like he's not throwing up roadblocks on at least not in his own terms like for example when they get to the planet and the other woman uh the the Roz, the Ryzian, the what's her name again Arandis um, Arandis when Arandis shows up and he says if you need anything basically uh let me know and he basically says we don't need anything but he's he's not lying he's because what he wants in that moment is not for them to be given like a pleasure cruise he wants a private conversation like literally yeah. the only thing he wants mm -hmm. is just a private conversation yeah and so he doesn't need anything. So he's not throwing up a roadblock in that sense. Yes, he comes off as rude. <laughs> That's, again, another example for me is like Jadzia. Yeah, brought him to a place he didn't want to be, and he wasn't ready to be there yet. So this is why it's awkward. But anyway, I just want uh, just what last I time? to say something else. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I, no. I was going to say something else. but Oh, I know what it was. Um, I'm At this point, I'm not sure why Worf wants to be with Dax. Because, I, again, I feel like Dax likes the idea of Worf as a boy toy, as, as a sex partner, because he's a Klingon, and that's that's exciting and, and, and different. Like, basically, I feel like she just likes the BDSM nature of their sex. Well, she like, says, she says when, when uh, you know, because isn't it Julian? No, I think it's Quark. They ask her, like, why? Because he, because he, yeah, right. cause that's right, because... Quark says, what you need is a Ferengi. And she's like, maybe, but what I want is Worf. And they're like, but right. why? And he's like, because he's this... She, what did she That's say? True. He's a. He's she got the. Say that. He's a warrior with the something of a berserker cat, but he's got the heart of a poet. Yes. She likes yes. the dichotomy of the man. She's attracted yes. to that. She does say right. why she likes him beyond him being the boy. You're, you're right. Saying. Good she reminder. Does. But well, I we know, don't hear. I don't remember. We don't hear anything like that from Worf. I mean, he does tell her at one point that basically she was the most beautiful thing, really, he's ever yes. seen. Yes. The, right. You know, he compares her to a what, what was it? Some kind Sunset. of like no, like, it wasn't that. Well, it was like they were. He said he was like a, in a. He was on the Defiant, and there was some kind of Polaron, something or another, and flashing lights and it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever yeah. seen until right. until know. her in that moment that she was right. that she was just the most so i mean i'm not and i'm not just trying to say that he's only attracted to her you know physical attributes but i think he's attracted to the fact that you know she can 
that she can, you know, hold her own against him. Even when they first met, she rendered him speechless with whatever it is she says to him in Klingon. You know, he stumbles upon right. his, on his words a little bit after, you know, encountering her. So I think he's right. been struck by her a couple of times and just it took him a, a minute. It literally took her flipping him over to realize right. it, you know? Yeah, I, I I totally understand everything you just said. I just wish that Worf would express it in a as as Jadzia did about Worf, why she likes him in some more definitive terms, as opposed to you look pretty tonight. <laughs> uh, she does. She looks fantastic. Jadzia is played by a beautiful actress. Uh, what's her name again? Uh, Terry, Terry Farrell. Farrell. Uh, so yeah, Terry Farrell, lovely. Um, I wish Worf would also smile in that moment. Like he nah, says it with such a straight face. I don't want Worf to ever smile. Yeah. Don't smile, Worf. Yeah. Don't it ever would, change. It would. It would he doesn't smile as much as he like does the half smirk, you know, or, mouth yeah. closed. But I think there's only one time I can think. Switches, I, there's only one time I can really remember it feel like that warp smiled and it was terrifying. All those teeth yeah. and that yes. heavy brow and those glaring eyes. Nah, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to see you don't that. Want smile. Yeah, you don't want to see that. Yeah, that's the same look he had when he killed that poor thirteen-year-old <laughs> kid for a soccer match. Could you imagine? Um, like I, I, I yeah. thought about that, and like trying to picture that scene. And you know, he said he was the biggest, he was the fastest, he was the strongest, most wild child on the entire planet, right. not just in their colony, on the entire right. planet. The biggest, yeah. strongest, most wild, feral child playing soccer against. So, just to try, like trying to equate it. Let's just say everybody on the team is around 12 to 13 years old, and he's the biggest, strongest one running around there. So what? He's 13, but he probably looked like he was, what, 20? Mm -hmm. And he's just out there playing, and he just nailed this kid with those forehead ridges, and yeah, Yeah. of course you killed him. He probably... When they said that he like broke his neck, I was like, "No, he didn't. His forehead ridges cracked his skull open. That's what actually happened." Because well, they, yeah, <laughs> there have been some discussions of Klingon anatomy, and you know, it's like the Klingons have they have a super dense bone structure, but also like right. certain bones along, like in particular, the the cervical, you know, uh, vertebrae and stuff like that. They're all like reinforced and stuff. It's like mm. like steel in there. You know, right. so could you imagine hitting that full force? Plus, you got the cranial right. ridges, which is that whole thing is like super dense bone in there, and then right. all that smacks into you going, you know, twenty miles an hour top speed for a Klingon at full tilt, and he weighs he's he's the size of a twenty year old man running, <laughs> running around there. No, nah, no, I'm surprised he only killed one of them. It's, it, it, it is a story that, like, oh, yeah, this story makes sense. It it was like this, and we've just now heard about it. Um, yes, it might color how we see past episodes, but it fits. I mean, even I even like- on the Enterprise, when the when his parents, Sergei and Helena, came to visit, they told Jordy that story about how they got called up to the school because Worf had been involved in a fight. And they said that Worf was, like, well, seven or eight years old. And he was right. sitting on one side of the principal's office, and on the other side of the principal's office were five middle school boys, each of them nursing bloody noses and black eyes. <laughs> so at seven, eight years old, he's already taken on kids that, it, to right. our way of thinking, should be twice his size. Right. 
and beaten the hell yeah. out of him. He took on five by himself at eight. Right. Yeah. It's amazing we humans can ever be in the presence of a Klingon. They live longer than us. Their bones, their muscles, their hearts, everything is just physically superior. How in the world do, do the, does the Federation humans ever have anything to do with the Klingons at all without just falling over dead in their presence? <laughs> well, I mean, we did fight a war with the Klingons. Yeah. Uh, and it was a terrible one. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, so I know we've said a lot about this episode, but as we close out our episode, is there anything else that you would like to say about this episode uh, that you feel like you haven't said or anything along those lines? I, we already mentioned it, but the whole Bashir Lita thing was just strange. Yeah. I fully would agree with anyone who decided to. Like, if you wanted to have a private time with someone else, and then they invited themselves on your ship, and not only invited themselves, but a third person, I can understand Worf being a little upset. He should have done a better job of hiding it, and he was definitely rude. But, uh... Oh, and did, um... Did Curzon die because he was on Ryza, and he basically had too good a time? Is that... Am I understanding correctly? That's essentially, that that's essentially correct. That the, ulti- <laughs> the thing that kills Curzon ultimately is... Whatever Arandis was doing to him when he was last on Ryza. So. This just sound like something you want to brag about. I mean, on some level, you do want to brag about it if, like, you have a really messed I mean, up personality and you like, good. Yeah, I was so good in bed, he died. I mean, <laughs> good, literally, good for Curzon. Uh, yeah. Now I will say I, I will say that Ugh. we we don't know the full extent of what Jamaharon is, so I mean we're we're left to kind of you know imagine, but the way yeah. that it's been alluded to in other treks as well, it's it's more than sex. There's more than just sex that's going on with it. So who knows? Maybe all of these things combined together reach the ultimate fever pitch, and poor old. 83, 84-year-old Curzon just couldn't take it. I think that's how old he was when he died. So, um, yeah. So, there you go. Oh, man. I have ideas, but, uh, like, I don't want to express mm. them. I'm like, yep, I don't know. <laughs> My own final thoughts about this episode yeah. is I enjoyed seeing Cisco and Odo kind of just sitting and talking to each other and having a good little... Yeah moment it seems like this episode was all about everybody kind of having a little bit of downtime you know they're talking yeah. about the o'brien's naming the baby sean and uh you we know, didn't see the o'brien's at we all we did not see, see the o'brien's at all. or kira she's probably taking a bit more of a prolonged break because you know in the last episode we had talked about how she had given birth to um her son the son she has with um uh dr bashir by the way Siddig, uh, Alexander, Alexander Siddig, Siddig, yes, um, that is their son. I think it's. I think his name is Jax. Was the name of the Was the name of the son? So, um, but yeah. So Godzilla, Dax, Jax. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there was some influence there. But uh, yeah, uh, 
we should see them um, in the next episode, though. We should see everybody have a bigger th- those those guys, you know, Cisco, Odo, Kira, and so forth. They should be back and getting us back into the groove of our of our storytelling. I feel like we just took a little bit of a break here. Trials and tribulations. Then this episode, I think this is a little bit of a breather, you know. And now we're getting ready yeah. to get back into the the hardcore storytelling. And um, things I'm Oh, that's next. Yeah, so yeah, that's a that's a great one. That that one features Odo, Cisco, and Garrick, if I remember correctly. Yeah, if I remember and correctly. apparently it's directed by Lavar Burton. All right, so. so we got some alums coming through here for a great episode. <laughs> I think Gold Ducat is in that one as well. So um, right. and Jadzia is in that one as well, I believe. So we got my oh. By the way, this episode we're talking about, Let He Is Without Sin, was directed by Rene Abergenois. Ah, so. well, that's why Odo probably wasn't in very much, because yeah. it's a lot of makeup to put on to not be in front of the camera. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well. So, guys, I think that'll do it for us tonight. Um, as David said early on in the episode, you can find us and follow us anywhere that you happen to uh, do your social medias, of course. Uh, we are back on X, but uh, I've noticed that the updates for it were coming through kind of slowly. Not sure what's going on with that. Um, everything seems to be working, and they're just not releasing. So I will try to figure out what was going on there, and hopefully I can get that back to the normal posting that it should have been doing. Other than that, you can still uh, find all of our stuff on Facebook, of course, with links to all the episodes, both to the podcast and to um, our YouTube channel for all of our videos. And uh, you can listen to us anywhere you happen to listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify, so you can join us there, of course. But until next week, guys, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.